Welcome back. You're listening to episode two of The Molds That Make Fatherhood. On this episode, I'll be talking to Anthony Fiano. Anthony's the owner of Victory Mindset, where he's a life coach and seasoned hypnotherapist. He's also an Air Force veteran and a single dad of three. He's going to be talking to us about what it's like to be a single dad while being an entrepreneur and running a successful coaching business. I hope you enjoy. All right. All right. Welcome to episode two of the Molds That Make Fatherhood. I'm here with my good friend, Anthony Fiano. He is the owner of Victory Mindset. He's a military veteran. He is a single dad and an awesome hypnotherapist, too. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on here. I really appreciate it. Hey, man. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure. We always have great conversations. So I'm looking forward to chatting today. Me too. Um, so let's let's get right into it, man. You're the owner of Victory Mindset. So and we're talking about fatherhood. So let's talk. Tell me what it means to have a victory mindset when it comes to fatherhood. Ooh, all right. Well, you know, having a victory mindset isn't about how much you know about a topic. It's not about, am I the expert? It's something that can be applied to all areas of your life. And a victory mindset is synonymous with a growth mindset. And so it comes in handy as a parent in general. Um, but as as I've had to adapt to different situations, different family dynamics, I've I've, I've had it all, and I've had to keep my mind open, um, be confident in what I know, keep my mind open in in areas where I can use growth, listen to feedback from people that care about me. Just having that victory mindset means I'm going to take the resources that people are offering me. I'll evaluate them and I'll I'll put some of them into action in my own life because clearly there's been some benefits to learning and growing throughout this process. So any process where you learn and grow, which could be any process in your life, you want to have a victory mindset, that optimistic approach, that can-do attitude, and the willingness to take a knee next to your kid, apologize, and and create um, a deeper connection with them. So that that's kind of what a victory mindset is in general and how it applies to parenting. That's awesome, man. Like It sounds like you, know, you talked about growth. Mm-hmm. Right? And and, you know, one of the things that I'm, I've always admired about you, one of the things maybe I, you know, one of the things I admire about you most is your ability to grow and adapt to changing situations. Uh, you you left the Air Force, you know, after, you know, retiring after 20 years in the Air Force and going on to start your own business, which took a lot of adaptation, so to speak. Like, and that's what we're talking about, growth and adaptation. Like, um, what does that mean to you, adaptation and growing when it comes to being a father? So throughout my life, I've made a lot of, let's say, the wrong decision, and I've had to adapt. I've, I've had to um, accept that, adapt, and correct. And I, I have this idea where in life, to be successful, you can either be proficient at adapting or you can be proficient at planning. And I'm not proficient at planning, so I'm much better at just adapting to the situation when it changes, which has its strengths, but there's a lot of flaws in that. And so finding people who are better at planning and just taking some of their ideas, like starting out small, planning a day, planning a weekend, an upcoming weekend. So just by design of how I lived my life, um, it wasn't planned out. It's just, I would make decisions. And if I found out that I needed to adjust, I would make the adjustment. If I had to leave that decision and, and make another one, I would do it. So I got very used to adapting, um, being in the military, being an aircraft mechanic, flying on missions, anything can go wrong. 
it does go wrong. You have to adapt. It's really the underlying thing that makes adapting um, something you can count as a strength is your attitude that you keep. You, the underlying attitude is we're keeping fixed on the goal. Mm-hmm. We'll make any adjustments we have to to get to that goal. So that attitude helps any situation that shifts. It's just keeping that open mind, even if you didn't see it coming. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. But you know, you evaluate what that means to the situation and then you make the adjustments because success is the goal focused on the uh, outcome. And then, you know, anything can change when you, when you put a plan in motion, the outcome could change. Sometimes the plan doesn't even have an outcome it's fixed on, but it's always, it's never, it's never the, um, the achievement, right? There's, there's almost no lessons crossing the finish line. Everything happened out there on the course. And so being able to adapt and adjust to what's happening at that moment is a, is a massive strength. But in my life, it came through having to adjust some of the decisions I made and just being okay with the fact that that, that wasn't the right decision. But now with the new information, I'm going to make this adjustment. I think I could still get to where I'm going. Do you have, do you have an example? Do you have any examples of like a time where you're like, man, that was the wrong choice, man. And I needed to, you need to, you needed to adjust. Uh, so when I first became a single father, um, some things happened that left me in West Virginia alone with three very young kids. I, I believe they were three or four is, was my youngest one. And then uh, eight and 10. And I didn't really have a support network. I was in college full time. I was in the military full time. And it wasn't that I made the wrong decision. It's just, I thought I could handle. I'm like, okay, I, I think I can handle this. And I would come up with different plans. How do I, you know, my kids were going into the summer, so they were going to be home all day. And luckily I lived kind of in a remote place. I wasn't worried about their safety per se, as far as somebody uh, coming in, interfering with them during the day, but I was more worried about something happening to them and them not being able to get a hold of me. Right. So I tried a million different ways to rack my brain. How am I going to make this work when I'm in, I'm at work all day and I mm-hmm. got these three young kids at home. So, uh, I started, I asked, um, church I was going to, if, if anybody who was stay at home, mom had, time in their schedule or, you know, any, I was looking for any coverage I can get and I would piecemeal it together. Mm-hmm. And that's when my, my daughter's teacher um, suggested a friend of hers who was a student teacher. Now it cost me, but it sounds like a lot of money that I had to fork out to have somebody there all day with them. And also one weekend a month to cover my, my military schedule. But it was the right move because it was somebody who was an educator, somebody who had a a passion for kids and they worked with me. And, and even though it sounds like a lot of money, they give me a lot of coverage for that price. And so it was that slight adaptation. Another thing that had to adjust was my work schedule. So my, my commander in the military was really flexible with me because he knew my situation. So in those moments you adjust and and then school starts, then you got to make another adjustment and adapt and, and figure out, what my work schedule. So I was in that period of my life, I was adjusting and adapting everything. I was also, when you're the only parent in the house, everything you do kind of, you lay down at the end of the day and, and you start to think about how you, when you're all the kids have, you are evaluating yourself. Am, am I doing a good job? Am I, are they going to be okay? Cause I already know from statistics that the situation they were in, they were supposed to be a number. They're supposed to be a statistic, right? And that when I 
when I realized my kids are in a situation where they're at a disadvantage at this point, my mind went to what causes that disadvantage? Where can I fill in that gap? Where can I assure them? I can't be a mother and a father. I can only be a father, but how can I flex my father, my parenting style to meet the needs that a mother would provide at least to attempt to meet the needs? I may not be able to pull it off. Um, and I, I didn't necessarily say, well, a mother does this and a father does this. I just thought, in this situation, the father has to do these things to cover those those things that make them a statistic. I hear you saying a lot of like I we were talking about adaptation and 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 like I hear you saying words like being able to flex and like you're talking more about adaptation. You talked about um, planning the planner versus the person who's more able to adapt, but it sounds like you know adaptation has been your thing especially when it comes to when it comes to having three kids and even when it comes to parenthood and fatherhood in general, would you say that, is it fair to say that you, um, you would rather be somebody who's better at adapting than better at planning? I don't know what it's like to be able to plan so okay. well. I, now I know people, fair. <laughs> I know people who plan and avoid a lot of the things that I end up having to adapt because okay. they're able to right. visualize what that's going to look like in the future. Mm-hmm. And they can, they can make plans. They say, well, and, you know, planners tend to have better boundaries because they don't let the things that will throw everything off in because they already planned for that. Yeah. If someone like me didn't see it coming. A planner might say, well, obviously that could happen. So you got to, you just don't engage that and you stay the course. So there, there are two different mindsets. Both can be successful. Both, both have massive value. So Sometimes yeah, I do you plan. find a partner that's a plan. <laughs> that's, you know, and that's a big deal. Like if you, if you line up with somebody, but the thing is when your partner is a planner and you're adapting there, you have to get on the same page because yeah. they can interpret your actions as you didn't care. You know, mm-hmm. you didn't care enough to set this time aside. No, I trust me. I make one phone call. I can free up that time. No problem. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, you seem like they, they may feel like they're an afterthought. But that's, you know, that's why it's important to get to know how each other operates and then capitalize on the strengths. That's really important. Hey, that's good info, man. Coming from coach, man, Coming from, especially fathers out there who um, are trying to deal with and manage relationships. Because that's one thing you got to, outside of being a father, you got to figure out your own life and how your relationships are going to work. Um, yep. You talked about scheduling. You know, there's a lot of scheduling things you got to move around when you're a single dad. Outside of those logistical things, you know, what are some of the most challenging things that come with just living that single dad life? Okay. So, you know, when I go home in the evening, I don't necessarily know. I try to keep in touch with my daughter throughout the day to see what's going on at the house. But there are days I come home and one kid doesn't feel good. The other one has a toothache. And it's like, I just want to come home and make dinner and kind of unwind after a long day. So almost every day, there's some level of adaptation and and planners can adapt too, especially in these moments where it's okay. My kids have a need that I didn't see coming. I didn't know they had a need. Um, It's adapting when I'm stressed and I get home and they didn't do what I asked them to do. You know, I have to, uh, I have to connect with them to see what happened. Maybe there was something that happened that I didn't know where I used to come home. And if I saw that, I would have a reaction and that reaction would drive them all away from me, but engaging them drives them all toward me. And then when I can understand why they didn't do it, even if it's, oh, I was going to do it later. And then you came home. So, okay, we'll do it now. You know, <laughs> but there's value in not getting 
uh, upset and reacting because that keeps that that team environment. As a single parent, you really want to form a team, yeah. and and because that also highlights your responsibility as a leader in the home to successfully bring that team. You know, my goal, my my job as a parent is to prepare my kids to live a successful life. Right. Right. But that's that that sounds simple, and you know, it's kind of obvious what you need to do and what you want to stay away from. However, it's not easy. Simple isn't always easy. And that includes stopping what I'm doing and listening to my daughter talk to me about how she's feeling. That includes undivided attention to each kid, because that's like just to me, undivided attention to your children, taking that 10 minutes when you get home and seeing how their day went, seeing if there's anything they need to talk about. That is just as important as food and water for their personal development. Yeah. They need that. And, and, and modeling good behavior. I mean, if I come home and lose my temper every day, they're going to come home and lose their temper when they're adults. So I know this. And so I try to, um, I try to check myself and I try, I try yeah. to even adjust myself when I go in so I can be an effective father and not, not a stressed out business owner. They don't need that version of me. They need the effective father. So I got to yeah. change gears. Yes. You said, you know, I think something I want to go into a little bit deeper is because it's something you said about, you know, my job as a dad is to make sure my kids have a successful life. Um, they're prepared for a successful life. They're prepared. Okay. So they're prepared for a successful life. Um, can you go into a little bit more detail about what that means? Like what your definition of what it means to be, to even have a successful life because, or prepare them. Like, what does that mean? Cause I know, I think a lot of fathers, they have this idea. They, they have things that we want for our kids. Right. And, and success is so subjective. So so what does that mean to prepare them for a successful life? So the first thing I try to do is create an environment in the house where they have the freedom to express their individuality without me having to take offense or try to push my model of a teenage boy or teenage girl onto them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I'll, I'm, I'm less concerned with, uh, how do I put this? I'm less concerned with how they do their hair, how they dress and all that stuff. As long as it's authentic to them, I want them to have that personal identity because then when they start to think about what is it I want to do in life now, success to me is, is when you are able to set a goal that goals in line with who you are and you can achieve that goal. That means part of that process is learning how to do things you don't want to do to get to the parts of that, that you do want to do. There's everything we do in life. There's, there's a season or there's a portion of that job that we hate doing. You know, for me, I don't like doing the administrative stuff the you know, records and keeping track of things, but I have to do a good job with that so that I can effectively coach people. So I'm not giving them the same coaching session the next week. They're like, Mm -hmm. we went over this like, Oh, Oh, my bad. You know, that's, that's not going to help me at all. So there's that there's um, the ability to understand what their needs are really, really to sum it up. Really what I want to do is create individuals who are aware of their needs, who are aware when they're not being met, who don't mind speaking up and saying, I have this need and I want it to be met who set goals that are in line with who they are. So they're not going to college and they're not, you know, 
spending 10 years in a career that they're like, man, I hated it. Mm-hmm. I should have done X, Y, and Z. And it wasn't to, and, and a lot of people do this. They, they kind of take their parents' advice as a roadmap. And so they say, well, I guess I'm smart. I should be a doctor. And they spend all that time only to find out after they reclaim their authentic self because they've been out of the house for a while, mm-hmm. they find that I don't want to be a doctor at all. Yeah. You know? So really it's building these authentic people who communicate well and who set goals that are in line with them, who understand boundaries, who, who understand how to take care of themselves, independent, you know, authentic people. Yeah. That, that's awesome, man, because some, something you're saying just triggered a thought that I was having about something that happened last night. And I told you about it right before we got on here about my daughter getting a cut over her eye. Yeah. And it's like, if you're going to have kids that can be them all their authentic selves, it's our, like because they're developing and they don't even know that sometimes. And um, I feel like it's our job. Like we really have to know our kids. Right? We have to know them and help guide them to be their authentic selves um, and to to let them so they know what's OK and what's not OK, um, you know, quote unquote. Because, for example, yeah. so my daughter cut her eye last night and she doesn't like to cry in front of her friends. Right. For some, she just she just does not like to cry in front of her friends. She will hold it. She'll hold it when she's in hurt. She's hurt any kind of pain. And her friend came in a, in the a front hallway and she's like, you know, hey, bro, are you OK? You know, And she's like, well, she's like, at least you didn't cry. And uh, and she was hope I could see my daughter holding it in. And I yep. know this about my daughter. And, um, and so I had to be very aware of that um, as her father. Just I'm, I was trying to get the girl out. I was like, all right, everybody time to go home. It was getting late. Um, you know, have a good night. And um, soon as she left, I was like, it's OK to cry, girl. If you need to let it out, go let it out. She went upstairs and she was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just she was waiting to get, you know, I don't and I don't know. You know, maybe she would have still cried if I didn't say that. But I needed to make sure I felt like at least I needed to make sure and let her know that it was OK. I let yeah. that thing out, you know. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's where these kids are getting this stuff from. They're getting it from their peers. They're getting it from different things. Like, you know, her friend just said to her, well, at least you didn't cry. Yeah, my son is like that. My my youngest, he's a very, some people say sensitive, but I've had two different experiences. So just to outline this real quick, my middle child went through a lot and developed some anger. Mm-hmm. Now, he's he's been able to walk out of that phase in his life. Mm-hmm. But really what he was trying to express was his pain. I mean, we cover pain with anger because we don't want to seem weak. That's, mm-hmm. that's a typical move. Anytime I see somebody who's angry, I know they, they're hurting inside. My son, my youngest son will cry. It'll, it'll affect him and cry. And some people have said, you know, he cries a lot. And I say, yeah, he does. But he needs to get that out of him. That's okay. Um, I don't think he cries a lot. I think it's appropriate the times he cries because he's feeling something. Mm-hmm. The thing is this, I encourage that with him. You know, he does also hold it in. He'll hold it in. Or he learned, he told me, I learned how to cry silently. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, that's, you can cry. It's okay. It's not something we need to be ashamed of. But what I told him was I was proud of him for expressing his pain and his sadness and not letting it become anger. Yeah. And that's an important lesson. Now he's 10, but he knows it now. He yeah. knows that sometimes we got to cry. We're people. 
forget if we're male or female or what society thinks of, of people crying, whether, you know, we're people, we have emotions and we got to be able to get those emotions out. Otherwise, you know, bottled up emotions cause us to act outside of how we want to show up in the world. And we don't need those reactions. Yeah. And you're, you're managing all that with these three kids. You know, I know um, you've had a little bit of help throughout, you know, just your lifetime in general. Um, Yeah. Oh yeah. But still, you're, you know, ultimately you're a single dad. And a lot of times you're dealing with these things on your own. You know, statistically, um, you know, kids who come from two parent households, you know, perform better, you know, in general, on average, in a lot of different areas. Um, Correct. How do you feel like your kids are doing? You know, how do you, do you feel like there's benefits to that they're seeing from you working as a single dad? And do you feel like there's things that um, may be hurting them, you know, so to speak, when it comes to being a single dad? For sure, there's things that my daughter has had to grow up fast. She's been, you know, I've leaned on her a lot. She's 16 now, um, but she didn't just start staying home with the with the boys. Um, and that's impacted her a lot. Uh, we've moved. That's impacted her a lot. Um, I got married again, and then that impacted her, and then we separated. That You know, so they, they're always, unfortunately, at the mercy of how I'm living my life. Mm. You know, and, and that's a hard thing to, to, you know, ask them to do is to go along for this ride. Um, I will, if you just give me one second to, to, I, I kind of, um, there are benefits to being raised by a single parent who's doing it intentionally, mm. but it can get out of control super fast. I always tell my kids, I'm so grateful that you guys are hardworking, you have good values, and you don't give me much trouble, you know, compared to when I was a kid. If I had three kids that were like me, I couldn't do this. I I, <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> I, I don't know how I would do it because I was a handful. And mm-hmm. these kids are, because I'm letting them be themselves, they feel less of a need to experiment with things that are unhealthy because mm-hmm. they they know they can look towards the things that they are passionate about whether it's an instrument they play or whatever and i'll provide that outlet for them um there's there's a ton of alone time i feel like i don't see my kids enough and i know they feel that you know when are you coming Mm -hmm. home you start hearing that stuff i was working late um several nights a week when i was just opened i was trying to build up some clientele and my daughter pulled me aside and she said dad uh, you're you're working too late too many days (laughs) and i had to stop and I, i said okay give me like two weeks and I'll clean it up. I'll give me one late night. And she said, you can have one late night because, you know, <laughs> she should have that say, you know, yeah. a lot of parents aren't willing to give their kids that level of input, but she's, that means when I'm here, she's responsible for what goes on at the home. Yeah. That's a lot for a 16 year old. And I acknowledge that all the time where really there should be another parent there. I can rely on and lean on, so my kids can just be kids and grow up. Yeah. So for the personal responsibility as a single parent, you have a really good opportunity as long as you get yourself, you know, to where you're carrying out your day to day, how you want to be represented in the world. Yeah. And then you can model that good behavior for them. And they will, because the schedule is tight, you have to, you have to have everybody on board this, this whole team concept. Um, also, you got to make sure that, if you're frustrated with their, their mother, you don't 
it's not a pep rally. You don't hold a pep rally with your kids and, and let them in on everything. You just, you know, you want them to have, you should want them to have a good relationship with the mm-hmm. other parent. And in some situations, uh, it's not yeah. possible. So that's, that's difficult. You're, you're balancing a lot of spinning plates as a single parent. And right. I, I, there are advantages, but the, the pitfalls are there. You've yeah. got to, got to plan around those. You've got to make sure consciously or intentionally you're doing things to avoid those pitfalls. Because if you let up, if you slip up a little bit, you'll start seeing your kids fall into those. And then that's extra attention. It's just harder because you're only one person, doctor's appointments, running a business, school, yeah. uh, sports, all those things just take a toll. Yeah. It's like you said, they're, uh, like you said, they are a, you know, they're at the mercy of how you're living your life. Yeah. All right. So, so if you're, and you're trying, you're just trying to do the best you can. And, but not being aware of how that's affecting them is, man, it could be, it could cause so much, so much trouble and trauma. And it's like, all right, the fact that you're giving your daughter this, this space to be like, Hey, you know what you're, I'm holding it down. I'm holding down the fort over here and you are working too late. Like she's like, you know, she's, she's growing up fast, man. She's like yeah. speaking her mind. She's like, look, I'm, I'm mama bear in here when you're at, when you're gone. So I'm, I'm going to speak my mind. And, and that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. But they, but not even in that, not even just in that sense, them being a, you know, at mercy, how you live your life. That can, man, if you're, if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're, Anything you're doing, you know, whatever you're doing, they're they're going to be affected by it in some way. Um, they're sure. going to see it. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a great point. Um, now, just just a caveat. I planned on being an involved father since yeah. day one. So the becoming a single dad, it didn't affect that. It just I stayed with that plan. It was never oh oh all of a sudden the kids are dropped off on me. I better. I better make some adjustments and be a good dad. No, I was already mm-hmm. doing what I could to be a good, good father. Yeah. I just, mm-hmm. it was all on me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you talked to me a lot about your father um, and you know, how involved he can be and just, you know, how he gives great advice and things like that. How, you know, tell me about your relationship with your father and what you saw and how, you know, how he helped kind of mold you into the father you are. Well, my father is, He's, he's at, we'll put him at the bottom. Okay. My dad's always at the bottom. He's always waiting for me at those low points in life. He's not at the top. He's, I'm not the kind of person that goes directly to my dad and says, what should I do with this? He knows he's watching me fiddle around and try and make my way through something. He may reach out and say, need help? Need help with anything? Just let us know. He, he He likes to remind me that he's there. But when it all falls apart and, you know, I'm not taking anything away from my mother. She's also, she's also there for me when I need her. But there is something different about my relationship with my father because, um, and honestly, one of my biggest regrets is I didn't take advantage of it as much when I was growing up. He was always like, Hey, you want me to show you work on cars? You want me to, you want to build this back room with me? I'll show you how to build something. And I was always just like, no. I didn't want to hang out with them because to be honest, at that time, they were, they were doing things that were preventing me from expressing myself authentically. They didn't like the style I had. They didn't like any of that. And so they intervened in a major way. So that 
I know how much damage that can cause in a, a parent-child relationship. So that's why that's one of my most important things is to make sure my kids are okay with who they are and that they know they can be loved for who they are. Now, my parents never stopped being parents to me. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm 42 years old. And if I need my dad to come help, I call, he'll be down here. It, he's always, he is consistent. He's got integrity. Um, he's got good advice. And, you know, the one thing about my father is, and I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody, but the family that he came out of, if you knew my dad and my dad alone, you're going to assume he came from a very loving and I'm not saying they weren't loving, but they're old school, old school Italian family, a lot of grudges, you know, a lot of, a lot of just toxic stuff going on. And he came out of that as a listener, as somebody who was, would be there. Family is, is center, is the center of the universe for him. You know, when I want to get my dad a gift, I, I think, oh, we'll do family portraits, you know, because there's nothing he loves more than this family that he's created. Yeah. And he did pass that down to me because I saw what he, I saw how he treated my mom. I saw how he treated us. You know, he had a temper up until I was 12 years old. And then he took martial arts, got his black belt. Next thing you know, he's got control of his temper because, yeah. the, you know, he, he became power under control, which is way more effective. You know, he can, he can take you out, but he chooses to listen to you talk. That's, I just learned, he ended up, Watching him improve his life was such a huge thing for me. Watching him get control of his temper, seeing how he was always involved in our lives. Just he set out a model of a father that I could latch onto. And he broke, you want to talk about generational curses. I mean, he just, he left them all behind. I mean, he, he is, he's a role model. He's one of my only role models. And he's probably the reason I've never, I've never idolized anybody. I don't look at famous people. I don't look at, I admire certain qualities certain people have that, that are high achievers. Absolutely. I can admire that all day, but to say anybody really has been a role model and a mentor like my dad has, no, there's, there's, he leaves no room. There's nobody that's famous. That's doing something. My dad was given advice that Gary Vaynerchuk and, and Tony Robbins are famous for giving. He was giving me that advice. Yeah. One-on-one. -on -one. He was saying, hustle. He was saying all that way back before it got popular. I just wasn't listening. That was my biggest problem. But it, that's, that's big, man. It sounds like one of the, one of the biggest things that your father modeled for you was not, was not the idea that he, when you were born, he was already the perfect father. Like he was ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, the, one of the, it was that you saw him, you saw him adapting over time because he cares so much about family and about being a father and that modeled that for you, like of what it looked like to grow and to, you know, not have it all figured out and not be perfect and not have to come from a, a great background and all these things. Like you didn't need that to be a good father. You just had to be willing to grow. That's it. That's it. Yeah. He, he really, I got to see that in action. You mm -hmm. know, I, I know what made him a good father is, and my dad is the, I mean, he was scary growing up. He was jacked, black belt, you know, but he's the gentle one yeah. growing up. He was the disciplinary. My mom would be like, I'm going to call your dad because you're being, you're out of control. So I knew he was there to discipline, but he was also there to listen. And it was interesting how gentle he could be. 
in certain moments where I expected the discipline and he could talk to me, Yeah, you know, like when I got arrested. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully, man. And it's, that would be to hear. I can't, I'm trying, I'm thinking about my son right now. He's like, he's a, he's a wild mother. Yeah. And I'm like, I, it would, I can't even express or think of anything that would mean more to me than for my son to say the same things that you're saying about your dad, like when he gets, well, at any age, like, yeah. like, you know, my, my dad was firm. He could, if he wanted to, he could snatch you up and like rip your whole life apart. But yeah, but he didn't, he, he listened to me. Um, so hopefully, um, you know, can I tell a story about somebody in the military? I'm not going to name names, but go ahead. somebody I used to work for had similar philosophies in parenting is my father. And when I met them, they had expressed concern that they were too hard on their son. And the relationship was strained at the time. And I said, how old is he? And he told me he's 21, 20. I said, any, any day now he's going to come back and you're going to, he's going to tell you that you were the best thing in the world. He said, yeah, I, I would love that, but I don't think so. Yeah. And that's me not knowing much, but I said, you cared about him growing up. He said, absolutely. But I think I was too hard on him. I said, that's okay. That's okay. Because believe it or not, you know, remember people don't remember what you said. They remember how you made them feel. And we get to an age as young men in our twenties, usually we can look back and see the intentions of the people in our life that were looking out for us because sometimes looking out for you is harsh. Sometimes somebody does have to change your course in a very unpleasant way. But at the end of the day, when you make that change and you look back on why you made that change, you're like, that dude loved me. And it wasn't a year later. He's like, how did you know? I'm like, cause that was me. My dad cared a lot about me. He pissed me off. (laughs) But when I became an adult, those lessons, his voice, that's what was in my head the lessons as I was learning them, as I was learning to adjust and adapt and finding the same conclusions he was offering me, you know, years before. And I had this deep admiration and respect for my father that developed as I became a young man, realizing that he really was doing his best to set me up for success. And, um, you know, I took the lessons that he taught me. I I made some improvements because that's what we do. Yeah, you know, and and my kids will make improvements on how I did it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, not, it's not meant to be. I didn't do. You know, it's not that I did something wrong. It's just they they're going to find a way to do it better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shit, we're all works in progress all the time, one hundred percent of timing. And I think the thing the theme of our conversation has almost been changed and and shifting and adjusting and adapting. And yeah, you know, and clearly you've made some changes in your life. You got you know you're doing you you run your own business. You're an army veteran. You did mention a little while ago how you know. Talking about when you got arrested, I said, I got army. That's right. You know, I, I had 15 years of it before I, you know, before I came over to the, to the airport side. But yeah. Well, that was a mistake. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> hey, but go, go I, made, I, made, <laughs> I made plenty of mistakes. Um, you adjust. Uh, good ones. I'm, I'm adjusting. I am adjusting, man. So when we're talking about on this theme of adjusting, when you, as a father, um, and growing and, and understanding you're not perfect and, and adapting, tell me about a time you've had 
like a complete shift in the way you thought parenting should be like a paradigm shift. You're like, man, parenting is this or fatherhood is this and something happening. You're like, Oh, maybe it's not that. All right. Um, this is, this is a turning point in my relationship with my kids, uh, trying to blend two families together. And unfortunately the planner was my wife, my, my second wife. And we didn't take that, take that route. We took my route because I had gotten so hype about everything. Oh, we're going to married. We're going to that. And these are all lessons I learned. Um, my level of excitement can intimidate somebody who's not there and it could shut them down. And mm-hmm. so we ended up going into a, a blended family, all moving in together. And we were really not prepared. Mm-hmm. And she got a firsthand look at my, my middle child's temper and then my temper because he would engage and I would engage. And mm-hmm. it was a, it was a, it was a ticking time bomb because I would eventually have to shut it all down and I would do it loud. And she saw the dynamic from outside of it. And she pulled me aside one day and said, you know, Anthony, I know he's yelling and I know he's like, he's pushing your buttons, but he's hurting. You got to treat him like he's hurting. Instead of yelling back, ask him what's bothering him. And I thought to myself, "Mm, like, sounds good, but I don't know about that. Like you haven't lived with this kid as long as I have, but she was right. And this is part of listening to somebody who cares about you and cares about, you know, your family. So, so I tried it and, you know, he got, he got mad or upset and then starts raising his voice at me. And I just looked at him and I said, you know, seems like something's really bothering you. That's a big reaction for, you know, it's not really a big deal. You're having this huge reaction. You're pushing me away. You know, is everything okay? Do you want to have a conversation about it? And he just, the fight left him. The tears started coming. And we connected. And you know what? It was months, months of that. I never went back to engaging him at that level. You know, if he's going to yell, I'm going to yell. No, you don't talk to me like that. Stop coming out of my mouth. You're in pain. Let's talk about this. And now he knows. See, I don't have to do that anymore because now when he's feeling something, he's, hey, dad, can we talk for a minute? <laughs> what a shift in my relationship with my kids. That very shift, Huge. that shift put the finishing touch on on him not being angry anymore because he had all the pain out of him that was the pain that was doing that he didn't have anger problems he was hurting and nobody was listening to him yeah because he was the bad kid you know that was kind of the dynamic that i expected trouble from him i expected sophia to get stuff done and my youngest one is is just goofy so he's just fun you know and i saw them all through those lenses and that shift that she helped me achieve in my parenting changed everything. I can't take credit for it. You know, she pointed it out and that was brave going up to a, a, a single parent and saying, Hey, there's a better way to do this sometimes can be very dangerous, you know, cause people want to say, well, I'm doing the best I can. I'm doing everything I can. They get defensive, but I didn't, I, I just listened and it was some of the best advice I ever got. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Good on her, man, for for adding that to your life. Big time. And you said, you know, you said you can't take credit, but I think that's big to to recognize and identify. And I think there's probably a lot of fathers out there that need to hear it is that the, just the willingness to 
be open to it and to to understand that you don't got it all figured out and to understand that look it's okay to take some outside advice from somebody that cares about me and my family yeah like men need to hear that that's a that's a big thing too to to be willing to change and be willing to adapt um, that's important yeah it's very important um you know i know it's a you know i can always man we can talk forever man um Let's do it. uh but you know, I want to be mindful of time and like, you know, listen to, you know, people get people listening to these things, man, they're like, man, we can drag this out, man. We don't gotta do that. Um, yeah. but yeah. But I I'm gonna end with a, you know, a cliche question. Like you're okay. giving a lot of good, you're giving a lot of good nuggets, man, and info, man. And I love you for that. And I just Thank think you. you're awesome. I think you're an amazing coach. And just Thanks, you, you've been, you know, an amazing friend. Um I appreciate that. But as the cliche question. For single fathers out there, mm-hmm. what's that one nugget of advice, man, that you're that you're giving to single fathers that they need to be keeping in mind when it comes to being a father and being a parent? I'm going to put this message out to anybody who's been divorced, okay? Because I see this happen a lot in my in my coaching practice. I see it just observing people who are recently divorced. When you separate you're not in a competition with your ex. Okay. Don't watch what they're doing. Okay. Because that is going to take your eye off the ball at the, at, at the moment of divorce, the plan should be with the mother or with the father, whoever the person that got divorced is, they should be coming up with a, okay, we're in different houses, but our kids can still have two parents. Like we can still give them a good chance, but we got to get on the same page. And then you have to flex to that. What I see a lot is, oh my gosh, um, my wife is dating somebody already. I can't believe she's already dating somebody. And then the next move is to get on a dating app and start dating somebody. Oh my gosh, my wife got engaged. I've been with my girlfriend for three weeks. I should get engaged. You know, it's like I see this competition start to happen and you're judging whether or not that person's healed based on what you see them doing. But we all know that we do unhealthy things when we're not healed. So if you're going out on dates every night and you're not healed, why are you interpreting that situation? You're not in her head anymore. You know, the best thing you can do when you get divorced is just assume you don't know the other person anymore, Mm. but also assume that they have that raising these children are just as important to them as it is me. So I don't need to know about your personal life. I just need, let's, let's form this co-parenting relationship. That's going to give our kids the best shot. there's no way two adults that have kids together should rely on the state to do what's best for the kids. That's just, that means you haven't, you have, you, but one of you haven't taken it serious. Mm -hmm. You're still parents, you know? So that gets the adversarial relationship out of the picture that promotes growth. That gives the kids some level of stability in an unstable situation. But the fastest way to take your eye off the ball. And I see it a lot is they look at their, ex-partner and they judge they look at that you know they'll go on social media to see what they're up to they'll ask friends and they want to know because they're they're associating oh they're going out more they must be over me that's none of that is get your mind off that your mind should be on raising these kids yeah and it's not a competition just look be honest with yourself if you're not ready to get out there and date and your ex is out there dating and in a long-term relationship that's the same as somebody you don't know being in a long-term relationship that does not have an impact on your life. Yeah. 
you know, you may be in pain, but you got to, you got to heal from that pain because your kids are priority number one. Yeah. And when it comes to that, man, I think, you know, I think where that gets muddy is that a lot of people feel like what their ex is doing, especially, you know, when I'm dealing with, you know, people who are in co-parenting situations, they feel like what their ex is doing is their business and is their responsibility to keep track of, because you know what, my kids are around that. And, and I need to be keeping track of everything that's going on, everything that you know, that involves my kids. But they don't understand that it's it's really there's that needs more context, and that and it's deeper than that. And you and they don't understand how them being so intrusive about it is hurting things. They just don't yeah. see it right. um, because they feel like, well, that is in the best interest of the kids for me to be, you know, have my eye in the sky. <laughs> it's, it's it's not. No, it's not. no, you know. On the on the flip side of that, when you get the kids back from mom's house, if mom's not if her eyes off the ball and she's introducing these kids to every guy she meets or, you know, whatever, if she's not doing it, according to you have to maintain your side of it. You give them that refuge, you give them that until she can get on board. You know, you don't don't get in her business. But if they come home and they're expressing concerns and stuff, you give them that ear. You listen to them because it's still your responsibility to be there for them. And you and you get help, right? You reach out because you get help from, you know, shameless plug, people like us who are coaching people through these situations and, and like, hey, looking at it from an outside perspective and giving you some 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 good guidance on how to how to move forward, because every every situation is so unique. So, yeah, there's there's ways to manage that without making it, you know, without hurting the situation. Absolutely. And I will say this, the biggest changes in my life came from listening to somebody with an outside perspective. Now, that's not saying I listen to everybody who gives me advice. What's that saying is when I get the advice, I evaluate it. And people have given me the gift of telling me what I've been doing wrong and how I could be doing things better. And I found that when you get that right advice and you implement it, you get some of the biggest shifts in your life. And if you don't have those type of people in your life, because you're going to have to have some healthy people in your life, you're going to yeah. get that kind of advice. If you don't have them, that is where coaches come in and therapists and all the, those professionals, yeah. you know, or even if you just think your friends aren't qualified, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> whatever. But the outside right. perspective is so valuable. It's mm -hmm. so valuable. Yeah. You give me, you give me some good nuggets, man. I've been for a minute. And, and Every time we talk, we, we always walk away with something, both of us, I'm yeah. sure. That's why I keep you in my life, man. I, and and I'm just so happy that you were on and talk about this with us and give us your perspective and tell us a little bit about your story. Um, tell the people, tell the people how they can find you, man. Where do you need to go to find Anthony Fiano on Victory Minds? Okay. Um, you can go to, well, first of all, thank you for having me on. I absolutely appreciate this. And, you know, being a father is one of my one of my passions in life. So I, I do appreciate the opportunity to talk about this and, and pieces of my journey. Um, so thank you again for having me on. Uh, people can go to victorymindset.net. Um, I am in the process of redesigning that website to be more user-friendly. So, But you can still go on there and schedule a consultation. I can work online or in the office. I'm located in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Um, but yeah, my office is open, but Online is just as effective. I do provide coaching, hypnotherapy, uh, resilience training. And if if you belong to an organization or part of a corporation that brings in guest speakers, that is something I do as well. So 
on a variety of topics. That's that's the main place. If you want to hit me up on Instagram, it's at underscore victory mindset. And uh, those are my my main places. All right. Awesome, man. Thank you, brother. And if you want to reach out to me, but I've specialized now. I'm rebranding and, and working with co-parents and parents, not, not, not even just co-parents. I'm working with parents in general now. We just we just discovered right. that and figured that out. We're going to do that. So but yeah, I specialize in that and just trying to help co-parents and parents be the best people they can be and build on strong connections with their kids. So thank you for listening to the most that make fatherhood. That was episode two. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to this episode of the modes that make fatherhood. I hope you enjoyed it. Please continue to follow us along on this journey. And if you want to see the video of this conversation, check us out on YouTube. Please share this with your friends if you found value and I'll see you next time.